0: Special. And God knew exactly where he wanted you to be placed.
1: Welcome to Press Track by Track with Stevie Wonder Classics. Today we're going to be talking about If It's Magic from the album Songs in the Key of Life, released on the 28th of September 1976. On the track we have Stevie Wonder on vocals, And not on anything else, uh, apart from a little tiny bit of harmonica on the outro. Um, And accompanying him is Dorothy Ashby on the harp. Um, You know, I think at this point, uh, Stevie Wonder probably could have got a credible harp sound out of, like, a Yamaha GX-1. um, But it's nice that he kind of brought Dorothy in to do the kind of, you know, the actual harp playing. Um, And, you know, as we'll get into, it sounds wonderful. Uh, The track is 3 Minutes 12, and joining me today to talk about it is Jason Breniger. Hello, Jason. Hello, Darren. Um, So let's get to the kind of the main thing about this track, which is that harp. Yeah. Um, You know, uh, Dorothy Ashby uh, was, uh, I mean, it's funny because... She's kind of celebrated as, like, you know, the best kind of, like, jazz harpist. But it's like, please, you know, name the second. And I don't don't think there is. Um, And it's kind of remarkable because she, um, you know, she was good at playing a number of other instruments, um, including piano and saxophone and, you know, various. And then she deliberately kind of moved into playing harp. And... I, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird, you know. Like there was this this thing where you know people talked about the fact that obviously she was you know uh, you know, a black woman, but then also a harpist, and it's like that's that seems like a lot to kind of overcome. Um, but you know she she kind of basically spent you know a lot of her time kind of in the you know in the fifties, um, I guess, kind of convincing people to add harp to jazz, which <laughs> uh, seems yeah. seems like a hard hard kind of uh, road to plow, but. You know, she did it very successful. Um, You know, she 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 was on like a number of different albums. Um, She toured with her husband um, and, you know, she she basically kind of uh, set the standard in terms of, you know, um, you know, what jazz harp was considered. Um, And I just love the fact that her albums kind of really kind of get to the point. Like, you know, her debut album is, you know, the jazz harpist. And it's like, okay, you know, like that's putting it all out there um and then in 1965 she did an album called the fantastic jazz harp of dorothy ashby which is a wonderful title for an album um and it really kind of makes it clear you know who she is um, and then afro harping which came out in 1968 is probably her kind of best known album um and it was through that that she kind of uh met uh, A number of different people, I think, including, like, uh, Bobby Womack and Bill Withers and Billy Preston. And I think it was Bill Withers who introduced her to Stevie Wonder. Um, And this is the only track that they ever kind of played together on. Um, And I just think, like, the choice of harp is, uh, like, as with everything on this album, I think Stevie Wonder was kind of really willing to, you know, change what people had known about him. You know, like, everyone knows he plays, well, by this point... You know a lot of synthesizers, yeah. and so rather than kind of coming in and having a synthesizer be you know the harp sound, you know he actually brought Dorothy in, and she kind of you know I don't know I feel like this that's the thing that makes this track stand out so much is just like the the beautiful harp playing. Oh yeah, and I would, it's one of those I, things. I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah, the the harp playing in this song is what instantly struck me the first time I heard it. So I've I've been listening to Stevie Wonder off and on for. For quite a while now, I mean, I was aware of him as an artist, as a child, you know, a lot of his 80s stuff, like I knew Ebony and Ivory, I knew I Just Called to Say I Love You, but I was aware of a lot of his 70s stuff that was played on the radio. Obviously, If It's Magic isn't a, wasn't a single, so it wasn't released to the radio. Therefore, it took me a while to get to this song finally once I started listening to Stevie Wonder. And and as you mentioned, the first thing that really strikes you about the song is is the harp. So it's... It's right off. That's what the first sound you hear in the song. And it's uh, it's beautiful. And it reminds me a bit of the Beatles song, She's Leaving Home, probably because there's not a lot of harp in in pop songs. So there's not a lot of comparison that you can make. But that's that's what hits me right away is the beauty of it and a little bit of a kind of a callback to that Beatles track.
1: And, you know, obviously the Beatles were, you know, Stevie acknowledged them as being like an influence. You know, the kind of experimentation that they did in the 60s, I think, is kind of you know, something that he copied in the seventies, you know, once he, I mean, unlike the Beatles, he never really stopped touring. Um, And I'd say actually like the last kind of like 30 years, his life has mostly been touring and not albums, Um, you know, so obviously something that as a solo artist, you can make that choice. Uh, Whereas, you know, for the Beatles, they they were kind of forced into the studio due to their kind of bickering with each other. Um, And so, you know, he's always kind of acknowledged them as, as an influence. So I'm wondering if maybe, you know, he was reminded of that and he thought, oh, yeah, let's, you know, let's try this with a harp, um, you know. And like I said, you know, like if you I mean, you can find pretty much most of Dorothy Ashby's albums on YouTube. If you want to just give a search, someone's people have uploaded like whole albums of hers. Uh, and it's worth kind of taking a lesson to because she, you know, she like it's it's really weird because I always feel like the kind of the person who introduces like this idea of like, oh, yeah, you can play jazz and have a harp there. Um, it's like nobody else can really kind of follow that because it's like you're going to always be compared to her. Like, I don't know that there will be any artists these days. I mean, I guess maybe, you know, she's she's been, uh, you know, she's been gone long enough maybe that someone could come out with some jazz harp and people would be like, oh, you know, this is something new. Um, but I feel like at the time it's not like, I, I, I feel the same way about like uh, Weird Al and like, you know, accordion in pop songs. Like <laughs> well,
0: If you're going to include harp in your music, in, in your jazz music, you better cite dorothy ashby as an influence that's all i gotta say <laughs> yeah it's it's
1: like the obvious thing isn't it like just the same way that like if you've got accordion in pop music it's like well you must be copying weird al because he's the, he's the only person right. who's doing that um so i just yeah so i think she kind of stands you know as a giant in that particular field it's like nobody nobody else can kind of really do jazz harp not that i mean jazz itself is not really like a huge thing anymore so i don't know that people are you know and also a harp is such a, a wieldy thing to kind of carry around as well so Uh, I can understand maybe why it didn't uh, kind of take off as much but yeah I mean her playing on this track is is kind of amazing Um, and I like as well that Stevie restrains himself to just a tiny bit of maha harmonica on the outro like he doesn't um, he doesn't try to kind of like uh, accompany her with his harmonica while he's singing he just kind of leaves it for just a little bit of a solo as the song is finishing up. Yeah. um and and you know and i I think that's like as well there is a like you know in terms of like the kind of music as well it's you know it's in a major key uh but interestingly when we get to the bridge um it kind of goes to the minor um so you know we're in the, we're in the key of e if anybody ever cares about that kind of thing and for the bridges we go into this kind of minor key so i think it kind of brings a, a little kind of melancholy to the you know to the song overall um and also with with dorothy ashby's being so accomplished as well um you know the kind of chords and not this not that stevie wonder was not accomplished as a piano player but i think some of the chords are a bit more jazz influenced than stevie wonder probably would have gone for um so in the verses you have a lot of kind of you know, sharpened sevenths and those kind of things going on over the top of uh, kind of minor, minor chords underneath. And, and kind of, it feels like the, the arrangement of it is a bit more uh, kind of jazz than, than you would expect from Stevie Wonder. Um, which makes sense because, you know, he was always someone who, you know, when he had someone who could kind of be a, a, a kind of collaborator, he always knew when to kind of let them kind of take over. So it feels a little bit like she's the one who's been like, okay, Stevie, this is... You know, he he sang it, and he and she's like, this is what I feel like the chords are that fit it, and uh, you know, I, I feel like the kind of the minor change for the bridges is is kind of you know a stroke of genius, and it just really kind of you know it lends the song a kind of uh, I would say kind of like a longing, um, mm-hmm. you know, that some of the other kind of more upbeat songs on this album don't have, you know, like, uh, uh, but I mean, as as well, you know, there is a song that follows this, and I think that's a bit more kind of upbeat and you know, the kind of a bit more joyful. Whereas here we get this little kind of break between I Am Singing and As where it's just this little kind of short kind of melancholic jazz song.
0: Yeah, that's the that was my kind of takeaway as well is this song really, if it's magic, really offers the listener a bit of a breather before going into those last two songs because As and Another Star are both quite long songs and they close out the album proper, um, not counting the EP. And so this song... It kind of, I think, feel like it probably gets forgotten or uh, maybe ignored a little bit because of that. And there's so many epic songs on this on this album, and "If It's Magic" is one of those that I feel like it certainly doesn't get its due. And maybe it's because it's so simple, Um, just the voice and the harp, and then of course, like you mentioned, the harmonica at the very end, and it and it follows with two very uh, grandiose tracks and and lengthy tracks at the end of the album so if it's magic is an underrated track on this album in my opinion
1: and you know uh because it is Stevie by himself i feel like the lyrics are a little bit more simple um and so we have this you know if it's magic then why can't it be everlasting so it, uh, you know the the kind of it's in the question maybe is the um uh is kind of what you, you, i guess the listener is to, f- to kind of figure out you know maybe he's talking about um you know a relationship uh, I don't know, maybe he's talking about life in general. Uh, I feel like he's leaving it a little bit open so you can kind of, um, uh, you know, maybe interpret it how you want um and you know the kind of like the sun always shines like the poets in this rhyme and like the galaxies in time again like those very kind of simple shine rhyme time mm-hmm. uh that is kind of like classic stevie lyrics is to just kind of stick with the, the kind of basic uh rhymes of course the selling point is you know uh, other than the, the wonderful harp is his voice
0: and uh and this is a wonderful performance as well from steve yeah for sure the voice is excellent on this song and it needs to be because of the way it's you know, the nature of the track itself being kind of a ballad or, you know, slow and very simple instrumentation. Um, you know, not a lot of embellishments. So the, the voice needs his voice needs to be on point for sure. And it is.
1: I I, I mean, I as well, I like that there, there is maybe a little bit of kind of vague, you know, if it's pleasing, then why can't it be never leaving? It's like, you know, you can interpret that a number of ways. I think that, you know, the more obvious way is that he's talking about, you know, being in love with a person and maybe that person is the, is the it that he's referring to. Um, But I feel like, you know, you could apply it to, you know, a number of different situations, Um, you know, and he, uh, you know, he says, why can't it be never leaving like the day that never fails, like seashores, there are shells like the time that always tells. Uh, And I, I mean, I, I'm always a fan of when people reverse lyrics like that. And, and, you know, instead of saying telling time, he's time that always tells, I mean, you know, it's a nice little flourish.
0: Um, yeah, he never mentions you know. love once in this song. So, I mean, a lot of the interpretations that one can make revolve around, you know, love or relationships. But to your point, since there is no mention of love in this song whatsoever, if it's magic, if it's pleasing, if it's special, it can be anything, you know? You could really apply it to anything that is that you hold dear, and something that you find precious.
1: And, and, you know, this the kind of... Where he says, you know, it holds the key to every heart throughout the universe. It fills you up without a bite and quenches every thirst. You know that that again, like it feels obvious to say love, but there are other things there. You know, like uh, you know, maybe being a parent or yeah. you know, being in a relationship. Like those, those could be the it that kind of would do that to you. That you know, that is in every heart throughout the universe. You know, like there's, it, it feels like the you know the kind of the vagueness gives it a, a kind of weird universality where it's like it could apply to anything, uh, but also you know I can I can guess that some people would hear it in a very specific way and be like oh yeah it's definitely this thing yeah. Um, which is totally fine you know yeah um and of course uh, i do kind of like a way i mean i would say like in the second verse uh, as it's identified our genius which i you know where he says um if it's special then why aren't we make why aren't why aren't we uh, uh, as careful as making sure we dress in style posing pictures with a smile keeping danger from a child uh, i mean it feels like that that verse has taken a little bit of a turn there yeah, yeah. The, you fir- know. the first
0: couple of things about being careful about how you dress and taking a picture with a smile, it's very, uh, it has much less um, importance in, in, in your real life. Like, I mean, so if you dress nicely, great. You know, you're going to look good in a photo. You're going to look good in that moment. Keeping danger from a child. Yeah, if it's special and if we're careful about that, that is, that's a life or death type of situation versus just looking good <laughs> looking good for photos or for that moment so yeah it's quite the different line there
1: i, I mean I, th- I feel like some of that has to come from the fact that obviously this is you know this is around the time that stevie became a parent for the first time so maybe that's something that's uh, certainly on his mind um you being know, careful with we've, your child, we've already yes. had <laughs> it should be <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, although i think as well the kind of posing pictures with a smile again, that is obviously something that Stevie wonder is known for is like, he's always smiling. He's always happy. It's true, um, man. so it, like, yeah, I, I mean, I, dressing with style, maybe less so in the seventies. I mean, I feel like, you know, he picked a look and he kind of went with it, uh, particularly on some of the kind of like album covers. Um, you know, he picked a certain kind of, you know, uh, kind of shade of clothing and decided that, you know, that was the you know, that kind of, you know, burnt orange was his color for that decade. um, so, you know, I don't know about if he, you could say he was dressing in style. I mean, he it's carried subjective. it off. So.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I can understand, like, how he's, you know, this, the kind of the thought of of children is clearly on his mind, um, you know, around this time anyway. Um, and then for the outro, just as, you know, he starts singing So If It's Magic. Again, you know, this is something that he does um, quite a bit in the 70s. He doesn't normally, like, he, he hasn't got technically speaking like the title of the song isn't in the chorus which is you know a bit unusual um you know the title of it only appears twice uh, and it, it comes back here at the at the outro where he says why can't make can't why can't we make it everlasting like a lifetime of the sun that will leave no heart undone there's enough for everyone um and as he does that obviously that's when he kind of plays his little uh you know a little bit of a mournful kind of harmonica solo just uh, you know on the outro um and you know that's where the song ends and i i mean you know Like you say, I feel it is kind of one of the tracks that gets overlooked. I mean, on an album that has 21 tracks, it's easy to overlook, Mm, Um, you know, one or two here and there. Um, And like you say, it is the kind of calm before the storm, you know, as is obviously such a huge kind of like celebration. And then for some reason, Stevie finishes the album with a disco track. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) like... You know, which obviously I'll talk about more on the next couple of tracks, but I, 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 which it always feels like a bit of an odd choice. I mean, I think obviously if you then listen to the, the EP straight afterwards, it kind of the ending feels a bit different then. But um yeah, you know, you've kind of got these two big songs uh, coming up and I think this is a nice little kind of break. Uh, like I said, Stevie Wonder, you know, over the course of his kind of over the 70s, he got a lot better at kind of figuring out the order of albums. Um, And, you know, I'd say each of the four sides here has something to recommend them uh, in the way that they're put together. Um, And I, you know, I'd say I Am Singing is, you know, a great kind of opener to this side and then kind of giving us this little break before we kind of get into as which, you know, is... Uh, probably i don't know one of the best songs on this album i I, you know it's it's kind of hard to pick but you know and then finish it off with another star which like i say even you hear me when i talk about it it puzzles me to death that he decided to get into disco six months before it died um so it's kind it's kind of weird that he made that choice but you know you could pretty much pick kind of any one of these four sides and just say well you know this is a great collection of songs like you know, the first side, the second side, you know, the third side, this side, they've they've all got like stuff to recommend them. But I do just love this little kind of short break. And then, you know, you've got these two kind of big songs coming up. And it's, you know, again, it's one of those signs that Stevie Wonder understands, you know, in the 70s, how people were listening to music. You know, he understood that, you know, they've got to turn the side over and they're going to be sitting there for um i don't know how long this side is probably i don't know like 22 minutes something like that so he knows they're going to be spending like you know two-thirds of that listening to the next two songs so he gives us these nice little short songs to kind of you know get us into this side and you know it's just one of those things that i feel you know obviously as time has gone on the album has become less and less of an artifact and it's something that you know is kind of underrated as a skill is being able to program an album and it's something that stevie kind of excelled at in the 70s
0: yeah, if it's Magic really is kind of a quintessential deep cut in my opinion. Like it's it it follows that kind of rule of a song that is fairly simple or, you know, doesn't have a big pop hook or, you know, a big chorus, doesn't doesn't have a big theme and it's kind of push towards the back half of the album and that's what this song really kind of fits that mold
1: i mean it's hard to have a deep cut on an album that told, sold 10 million copies so, yeah, right, so, right. but still yeah on something that's got 21 tracks there you know there are going to be one or two that people are maybe not as familiar with um so i would say for me probably um i mean just on the vocal performance alone but also never to underrate dorothy ashby's heart plane i mean it is it is kind of amazing um, I would say probably four and a half out of five. I mean, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's yeah. such I would, a great song. I would
0: go with a, a four myself. I think the song is really good. I really like it. It's beautiful.
1: Yeah. Well, then, uh, if there's nothing else to talk about uh, with regards to this magic, then uh, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug, Jason?
0: Yes, thanks, Darren. Uh, I also host a podcast. It's called Press Rewind, a Prince Lyrics podcast. Uh, each episode is dedicated to a song in Prince's discography where... I and if I have a host, we focus on the uh, decoding and dissecting of the lyrical content of that song that we're talking about for each episode. So you can find uh, my podcast anywhere that podcasts can be found, really. And also I'm on Twitter, Rewind 75 or Facebook and Instagram, same same. Pressure Y name, so look for me there and uh, thanks for having me on, Darren.
1: No problem. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Stevie Ruzzle. Thanks for being my guest here today, Jason. Thank you. I'm a-